are Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Flyers podcast for Wednesday, November 25th. Your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that has to say. I do not make anywhere near what Connor McDavid makes, but whew, I, I would have to say my style of my where I live is a lot better than his. Oh, man. That was a <laughs> thing on the internet. Uh, I do not like that either. I just find that whole sterile white house with like white marble and white floors and white cabinets I'm just like oh my god no like how do you keep that clean I don't know it's not even like it's all white like there's black marble and there's like this like white and gray like different patterns and textures going on top of each other and it's it's not in a good way and it just looks very very cold and very very uncomfortable Which, again, if that's what floats his boat, he has the money to redo it if it doesn't. So, but yeah, that was pretty bad, (laughs) I have to say. It was. Uh, But, you know, when we're not talking about Connor McDavid, we're talking about the Flyers. So make sure you're subscribed to Locked on Flyers. We're available wherever you listen to your podcasts, whether that's Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to get all of our episodes here on the Locked Locked on Sports Network so we can keep all up to date on what the Flyers are doing in this offseason. We are your host. I'm Danielle. And I'm Rachel. And today is Wednesday, so of course we're going to do our mailbag. If you didn't get an opportunity to send in your questions, you can find us on Twitter at LockedOnFlyers. Tweet us any of your questions. We have mailbags all the time, Um, and it could be about anything. It could be about what the Flyers are doing, your favorite Thanksgiving dish. We are here for you. And don't forget to share and retweet the podcast to your friends. And if you don't have Twitter, you can always reach us by email at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. All right, Rachel, let's start it off with this question. Now, this question is in reference to an article that Dom Lushishkin came out with earlier last week, I believe, and it's titled 2020 NHL Front Office Confidence Rankings. Fans went in on every team. So in this article... Did you vote? In this? No, I didn't. Any chance? No, no. I did. <laughs> oh, so. did you go? Well, that's, well I you know did. exactly what we're about to talk about. <laughs> uh-huh. So, yeah, this is a, in this um, article, the Flyers went from 24th to 11th. And so my question to you, Rachel, is does that align with your current view of the team? Yeah, I think so. I think it's pretty spot on that, uh, you know, there's... A little bit of getting used to this Chuck Fletcher regime in the numbers over the course of the past year or so, because he's done this survey for the past couple of years and or past few years. And so I think that that is a huge factor there. And I also think that, you know, for the most part, Chuck has made pretty decent moves. There hasn't been anything where you're just like, what the hell was he thinking there? Other than maybe this Eric Gustafson thing, which we're not sure about because we haven't seen how it's played out, right? 
So we can't even evaluate that in any meaningful way yet. But I think that, you know, that sounds like sort of near the top, but not at the top makes it makes sense to me. Yeah. You know, I I think I'd have to I'd have to agree. I think before Fletcher got there, I don't think I would have ranked my confidence in the Flyers at a at a 24. So it's it wouldn't be as drastic of a uh, of a jump, in my opinion. But I do agree with you. I think that I think what made me confident is that the Flyers already had a very solid foundation already. Like the the prospects, you know, where they were cap wise, they were looking good. One thing that, you know, they had trouble with was finding outside pieces to add to the team to help push them where they should be. And I think that Chuck has come in and not really messed with any of the foundation. And he has found some players. Obviously, the Kevin Hayes signing was a really good signing. It worked out for the Flyers. And, I mean, he hasn't gone super crazy. He signed the kids to realistic deals, and he was he was able to keep everyone that we needed. So, yeah, I think I think I'm with you on that. That uh, that I I pretty much agree with this um, this ranking or, or this uh, the fan base. Um. But one thing I will also say is that I think also the fact that Chuck is new doesn't hurt. Like we don't really have a lot to to base him on. Like obviously. Dom uh, sections it by like roster building and cap management and draft and develop, but we don't have a lot to go on in all these categories from Chuck. I mean, you brought up the new Eric Gustafson signing and that was like one of the, the most, the biggest question marks that Chuck's done. And I think because we only had a little bit uh, to base him off of, he got a higher grade than Flyers fans would normally give our GMs. Yeah, I, I think you're right there. And you know, it's interesting just looking at where, you know, specifically the fan base thinks that he's the weakest. Mm-hmm. And that's like trading and free agency. Well, like what trades have happened? <laughs> exactly. So it's just like, okay, so the fact that they've done none and there was this huge expectation that they were going to trade Shane Gostas Bear, mm-hmm. that'll ding your score, right? Yeah. And then, you know, free agency, again, there's, you know two seasons to go off of and one of which you know had a questionable signing despite the fact that it was communicated very clearly that they weren't going to do much and then they didn't do much and so it's you know it's hard to rate that when there's just very little activity yeah that's definitely a really good point and you brought up one about how you know, the fans really uh, rated Chuck and the front office lower on trading, but that aligned pretty similarly with public opinion. So this is something that like collectively everybody that's on the outside looking in from the front office kind of agrees with. Now, it seemed like Flyers fans, and this is, I think this is common for all the fan bases, but it seemed like Flyers fans are more confident about the team than public opinion why do you think that is? Um, you know, I'm not 100% sure there. I think that it's hard to, again, parse this 
era in the Flyers' history <laughs> with with it being so short. But, you know, I do think that there isn't really much vision into the Flyers outside of our fan base. Yeah. I just, I just think that coverage of the Flyers outside of Flyers fan media is has been very weak over the last year or so. And and so for anybody to have like a true you know insight into it unless this is what they do on a day-to-day basis, I think you know is going to be a little bit flawed to be honest. Yeah, I I think I tend to agree with you. And you're right that like outside media really the Flyers aren't one of the teams that they tend to talk about or showcase only when they're doing lists right when they need like a fan base to rile up do they do they uh, mess with the flyers I think I definitely agree with you that it just doesn't there's not too many outside people that I think personally follow the flyers or even seem to like really value any of the players that the flyers have which is crazy players that I think should get more airtime that don't in the flyers and um yeah, I don't know. I, I wonder if just the the recipe to change that is just to win. <laughs> but <laughs> we'll have to see. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to overanalyzing the Chuck Fletcher era in years to come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's ideal. But speaking about the recipe, Rachel, I have been trying to you know, clean up my diet and the things that I eat, I eat. And not necessarily like just calorie wise, but I want something that's clean. The things that I'm putting in my body are actually good for it. And it's not just completely crap. So I've even taken this pledge towards like my energy. And I've cut out all of my energy drinks. And I've tried to cut down on caffeine as well. But one thing that I cannot cut out is Built Go. If you don't know, Bilgo is a healthy replacement for your energy drink, but the energy is not fake. It's lasting and natural. It's pretty much like five-hour energy without your heart pounding through your chest and getting that crash feeling at the end of the five hour, the five hours. Plus, like I said before, it's natural, so it's it's easier to digest in your body. It's good for you. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. And even better, it's not something that you have to drink right when it's cold or chug or mix with something. It is super easy. It's a five and a half ounce package that you can take with you on the go, put it on your office and your desk right before a workout. Whenever you need energy, it's it's always there for you to grab and take and use. And it's really good for you, which I love. Yeah. And, you know, Bilko are from the same people that brought us Bilt Bar, which we've talked about for forever and love. So we know the ingredients are healthy, they're safe, and it's going to taste real good. They have three delicious flavors right now, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. Bilko combines energy gel with the collagen protein beta beta alanine it's got b3 b6 b12 honey and that little kick of caffeine to keep you going so visit billgo.com and use promo code locked you'll get 30 percent off your next order use promo code locked for 30 percent off at billgo.com 
Coming up later in the week on Thanksgiving, we have our What We're Thankful For episode. And we will talk about all of the thankful things from the Flyers. So send us in what you're thankful for uh, on Twitter at LockedOnFlyers or email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. And maybe we'll include yours in the show. All right, so let's get back to our mailbag. Following up on public opinion versus fan opinion, who do you think on the Flyers will have a breakout season And the reverse, who do you think will take a huge step back this season? Well, I certainly hope nobody takes a step back. (laughs) But I think that, you know, you have to go with Oscar Lindblom for having a breakout season because I feel like he feels he was robbed of that this past year. And he was, to be fair. (laughs) But I think he just has that extra motivation knowing that he got off to such a great start and then to have it cut short. So I'm going to bet on him to have a really good breakout season. And then who will take a big step back? Again, don't want that to happen to anybody. But I th- I think that with the lineup is in the bottom six being a little bit up for grabs in terms of how it will play out, I'm wondering if Scott Lawton takes a step back just because he had such a good season this past year. But the way he will end up getting used next season to me is kind of a mystery because I have no idea how this bottom six is going to play out. And so he just could end up not through any fault of his own, but through like different usage that doesn't play to his skills the best. And so his scoring could potentially go down. But I I don't think that it will necessarily be that he has taken a step back. I just think the circumstances of his playing time will maybe seem to indicate that in the numbers. That's a good one. Scott Lawton. I wasn't thinking of about him but yeah I could see that and I agree with you hopefully not a huge step back maybe just like a step back in regards to everyone else around them right exactly Um, (laughs) so for me I think my breakout I'm gonna say Joel Farabee I think I mean he's had a roller coaster of a ride uh for a rookie season and I think that he's he's definitely gonna learn from that and he knows what he needs to get better on and I think that we could start seeing, I mean, obviously he's always um, flash skill, but I think we forget how skilled Joel is. And while he does a lot of the little things right, um, I could see him like being more comfortable to use his skill and to make um, riskier plays or not, maybe not risky, but those playmaker plays that, you know, everyone talked about when he was drafted. So I could see him having a really good breakout season. And a breakout season in regards to, like, what everyone thought he would have. Um, Not, I don't think he'll be leading the team, but he might at some points. And um, I would would really be happy to see that. Uh, So someone who I think will take a step back is, and again, this is kind of like the Scott Lawton. I don't want, like, I'm not guessing they'll, like, fall off of a cliff. But I, I don't know if Justin Braun will have as good of a season as he kind of did when he first got to Philadelphia. I could see him taking a step back in his play. And maybe that's just because everyone around him is taking a step forward and maybe he's just regressing a bit. Um, 
But I also think a lot of that will be dependent on how the Flyers use them, uh, use him and if he still stays a bottom pairing guy or if they, you know, however, until they figure out the defense, they use him in the in the top four. That's a really interesting one as well. I think that, you know, I mean, Braun wasn't spectacular, but I think he was played his role. He was serviceable. Yeah, serviceable is the right word there. And so, yeah, I think that depending on how his usage ends up could determine whether or not, you know, he's exposed for his weaknesses. Yeah, I could definitely see. I'm I'm crossing my fingers and hoping that's not the case. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so our next question stems from Friday's episode when we talked about storylines that were relevant last year, last year season and could be relevant this season one we didn't really talk about was uh carter hart and road games now to give a little bit more context and to refresh our memories uh hart's save percentage home versus away were very different at home he had a 0.95 save percentage and away he had a 0.85 save percentage and um, overall, Philadelphia at home ranked uh, second in the league in save percentages. And then um, away, they ranked 30th in the league at <laughs> save percentage. And a lot of that was because of, like, due to Carter Hart's save percentage, because Brian Elliott was pretty le- even um, home and away. So with that said, my question, Rachel, is are you nervous about Carter Hart playing games on the road? Well, this is all such a crapshoot right now because, like, what is a home game? What is a road game? I don't even know. (laughs) What are the divisions? Who knows? So in some ways, I just don't think we're going to have a real sense of of what this will look like until we're back to, quote unquote, regular season play. And so that's a little bit difficult to, to suss out. But then at the same time, just thinking hypothetically if the next season being played were a regular sort of season yeah I honestly I'm not nervous about it at all I think that they just have to play him on the road on a regular basis and have him be in a regular rotation that makes sense in terms of his rest and kind of ignore home versus road and and give him a full season like that and you know I, I think I'll be fine I think He's just a a weird goalie child, and he's really confident in his skills, and I just don't think that he gets bothered real easy. So it it really feels like he'll just settle into whatever the routine turns out to be. I'm not really nervous. I think this is just something that, I mean, these are growing pains. You're always going to have to, like, no, very seldomly does a kid just drafted end up being perfect you know so these are things we're gonna have to live with and I'd rather have Carter than not have him so oh yeah I'm okay with however this shakes out and like you said you just have to play him and you know when we talked about Carter when we did like our episode uh when the Flyers were in the playoffs uh, we talked a lot about routine and making sure he had he really could sure up his routine on the road because it's easy to have your routine at home but having a routine when you travel is hard and maybe that could have affected that. And this is another year Carter's in the league. 
I think I think this is fine. I, I wouldn't be worried. But one thing I will say, looking up these numbers, I was I, I was like surprised. I was like, oh, that's yeah. why we were a little big. <laughs> it was a little jarring. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's it's definitely something to be concerned about for sure. I, you know, these numbers are pretty stark. So, you know, it's definitely a good question to ask. All right, moving on. So based on the moves made at the time of recording, we don't know if any teams might sign or trade any players. I doubt it, but uh, keep, keeping that in mind, which team in the East Division will be the toughest matchup against the Flyers? Like, you know, this is someone that you don't want the Flyers to play because they just their style of play just clashes with the Flyers and the Flyers can't seem to solve them. I mean, the Islanders is the crazy easy answer there, <laughs> just based on how yeah. the playoffs went. Uh, I think, you know, secondarily, I would say the Bruins. I think it, it'll be interesting to have more matchups against the Bruins. It could be a real trouble spot there as well. Yeah, especially if they sign Chara. I know right now they haven't. But I will agree with you. The Islanders were mine as well. Uh, just someone I don't want to play. Even though I kind of want to play to beat them, I would be devastated if we lost against them. But, okay, looking around the NHL, outside of the East Division, um, is there a a team you think gives the Flyers the fits? Mm. I don't know. I mean, of course, now, like, the Pens will be outside the division. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, but they also have Cody Cece. Well, that's true. That's true as well. I don't know. I mean, because maybe it is Columbus. Yeah. For me, when I thought about this question, I thought about the avalanche. I just remember, think back to when the Flyers played them. And they got them, I wouldn't say at at a good time, but the avalanche were very beat up during the season. And very seldom you had that top line always together. Um, And so the Flyers beat them, I believe, both times, but I don't want to see them now, especially with uh, an even better defense than they had before. Um, so yeah, I I don't know if I'd I'd want to see the Avalanche. Yeah, that's a good that's a good team to be afraid of. I think. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So like kind of a full circle here when we talked about McDavid's house. Um, if you haven't seen the pictures of his house, we'll link it in the show notes. Very, uh, it's specific taste. You have to have a specific taste to enjoy this. But my question is, who on the Flyers do you think would have the worst decor taste? (laughs) I don't know. That's tough. Because I have seen, obviously, some of their homes via Instagram related You have to scratch off the captain because Ryan is just 10 out of 10. Yeah, I love their place. I I love their place in Philly and I love their place in Ottawa. Like both of them (laughs) are great. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I think, I mean, I would have to go with like the younger kids who just like Mm -hmm. have been living in dorms pretty recently or billet homes and they just don't have a sense of, yeah, like they don't just don't have a sense of their own aesthetic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Fairby would probably have been my first go-to there. Yeah. I think for myself, uh, I'm, I seem like every time we do these questions, I always pick Kevin Hayes. But hear me out. I think this one makes a lot of sense. Kevin, I think, would kind of be like McDavid, where he'd buy really expensive 
ugly things and say it's it's good decor because it's expensive and that's not the case but I also could see he's like in that in between where he would buy really expensive stuff but then also be a little bit like a like a Fairby or a Nolan Patrick because you know I know that he lived with Nolan Patrick last season or Nolan Patrick lived with him so I could see like a mix of both um so yeah that's I would have to pick Kevin because I could see that or I mean another easy option would be TK and he'd just have massive fish on his wall or like those like oh my god fish like you know I could see like a dancing or singing one I wouldn't be surprised if TK had that (laughs) was that Billy Bass yeah yes (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And, like, when you walk past it, it just randomly starts singing. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. my gosh. Those things are the peak decor. All right. Our last question, which is a nice little Thanksgiving one. What is your staple Thanksgiving dish? And who would that dish be on the flyers? Now, a staple doesn't have to necessarily be the one that you love the most like your favorite it's just one that's at every thanksgiving because it's always been tradition so i think for me the staple dish is sweet potatoes and with the marshmallows because i'm basic (laughs) and i know people hate it but i love it and i'm going to eat it and I get mad when it's not included in the Thanksgiving menu. So it's going to be the sweet potatoes with the marshmallow. And God, I just, I can't help but think that that is Carter Hart. That's fair. Yeah. You know, it's I could see that. just a little weird and something doesn't taste right, but it works. It just works. Like everyone just scoops a little bit on their plate, even if they don't like it, because they have to show respect. Like you can't say anything bad yep. about it. It's hard to heart. Yep. That's a good one. I think the staple at my Thanksgiving dinner has to be green bean casserole uh, because everyone requests it and my mom hates it. Um, so the staple on the flyers that I would have to say, this is a basic answer, but Claude Giroux, like he's just like, that's it. He will always be a flyer. Yeah. Always. It's just a staple. You cannot take him off the, t- the team. You cannot take the green beans off the table. It's true. Although it upsets me because I absolutely hate green bean casserole. I think it's <laughs> disgusting because I think cream of mushroom yeah. soup is gross. And that's like the base of the flavor of it because green beans don't taste like yeah, anything. My mom is right there with you. She absolutely hates making it, but she makes it so well. It's insane. As someone who hates the taste of it, it's like a 10 out of 10 every time she makes it. Well, she only makes it twice a year, so we only get it twice. So maybe that's why. That's the thing. You can suffer through it once, (laughs) right? (laughs) All right. One more on this question. What's your favorite Thanksgiving dish and who is that on the flyers? I mean, for me, it's apple pie for dessert. Okay. And like, I just... Again, I may have said this on the show several times, but I'm I'm not a chocolate person. I don't like chocolate. I don't like brownies. So my favorite kind of dessert is like the fruit, like a cobbler or a pie. And so for Thanksgiving, I want an apple pie because I also do not like pumpkin. Yes, send all your hate mail, but I hate pumpkin <laughs> spice. I hate pumpkin pie. So I'm having an apple pie. And I just, you know... 
I feel like apple pie is JVR. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. It just is. It fits. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I mean, I felt like I had to pick an American player because <laughs> of it being apple pie. And then I'm just like, oh, JVR. It's it's just like the thing that's there and it does its job. And if you love it, you really love it. And if you don't, you'd barely notice yeah. it. That's yeah. JVR. That's a really good one. I'm going to pick rolls because we have it every Thanksgiving. It's my favorite. But sometimes it's not on the table. Like um, we don't put our food on the table. It's on um, the counter. Um, so sometimes it's, it's on the table. Sometimes it's on the counter. You never really know, but I always get a roll and I pick Morgan Frost because sometimes he's with the flyers. Sometimes he's with the, uh, phantoms. We don't really know where he'll be, but I'm always going to look out for him. And that's my favorite. Yeah. Hopefully this isn't an American role and I just (laughs) named a Canadian player, but (laughs) it's a role. (laughs) Uh, that was funny. You guys, I mean, obviously send us in your favorite Thanksgiving dishes and who is the equivalent on the Flyers for that, because we'd love to know. But wrapping up quickly with our Flyers fun thing, it is Camp Out for Hunger. The captain was out um, talking about Camp Out for Hunger, and <laughs> there was a, there's a screenshot of him doing, like, um, I guess on Zoom or wherever they were to talk about this. And the door shut, and it's a glass door. And guess who we see? Like hands on the door, peeking through. Gavin. Aww. And it's so cute. It's so funny because it seems I don't know. I wonder if he's in Gavin's room because there's books on the wall and a little chair that has a flyer's little like monkey or some type of toy on it. Um, and Gavin's just like banging. He's not banging, but his hands are on the wall, the door, and it looks like he's like let me in so it's very cute and then claude quote tweeted it and said everybody wants to be a part of camp out for hunger which just he has some good liners he he knows how to he doesn't social media a lot but when he does he doesn't miss he picks his moments he does and i think that's quality i i like that so that is our flyers fun thing thank you guys so much for listening to today's show We'll be back again on Thursday with what we're thankful for. So make sure you send us in what you're thankful for and we'll talk about it on the show on Twitter at Locked on Flyers or Locked on Flyers at gmail.com. I'm Danielle. You can find me on Twitter at Danielle underscore Nick. That's Danielle underscore N-I-C-C. And I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at R Miriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. <laughs> 